Steve Coulter is a writer, editor of his hometown newspaper. Despite the slights about millennials, Steve is all about commitment to his wife, his work, his family, and friends. The one area where Steve could do with a little more commitment is to himself. Solving Steve is a way to unblock the real writer. Recorded at Dimitri's Diner in the heart of Ridgefield, Connecticut, this is Solving Steve. Steve, how are you? I'm doing great. You might have noticed in the open, it's been revised, where uh, as goes commitment, uh, you were described as uh, having full commitment to your fiance. It now says wife. Um, yeah, I'm a married guy now, and I appreciate you doing the uh, rewrite there, the introduction, because that has been the big news of 2019 is becoming a married guy. As in your business, I'm all about accuracy. Yes, <laughs> got to be accurate. So how's married life <laughs> treating you? Is that what you, well, what's the question you get all the time? Well, how is it phrased? No, that's it. How's married life? It, is it treating you though? Is it, is it how's married life treating you? Yeah, you get the treating you. Yeah, how, how's married life treating you? Is that's definitely the phrase. So it's the treatment of married life. Bit of a trigger for you though. It really is. It's become one of these things where if I'm asked it again, I might, I might fly off the handle at the next person that asks. So you're lucky that I didn't jump across the table and start strangling you. Yeah. It's really, it's like someone, they, I know people are asking it with the right intentions. They just want to know how has been the first month of marriage. The short answer is the marriage is great. But what you're really asking me is how is life? But you don't want to hear how my life is because you just want to hear the happy answer of, oh, well, it's great. Married mm-hmm. life is wonderful. Married life is wonderful. That's the, the truth. But life, you know, there's career obstacles. There's family health issues. But no, people don't want to hear that. So it's like somebody asked me that two weeks ago, and I got into the whole family health issues, and they were just like, they went from like 10 to 5, and I realized I can't come in at a 5 when someone asks me that question. I just have to be like cheery, meet them with enthusiasm, and fake it. But you know what? It's really not how's married life treating you, but it's anytime anyone asks you how are things. That's right. You're right. It is just another form of that question, but they don't want to really actually hear the the real answer, they just want to hear that it's good. In this case, it's about a happy thing. When they're, when you're right. something's gone really bad for you and they're asking, oh, how are you? It's coming from a place of concern, so you, you, you feel like a jerk for going, how do you think it's going? And yet, you know who's got it right are the Chinese. They always ask, have you eaten? That's like something concrete about, can I feed you? It's a connection point. It's yeah. a connect, and food is love, and I want to, I want to do something. I want to I know you. how you are, so I want to do something yeah. for you. Have you eaten? Isn't that kind of the better way to go? Can we just take from the Chinese like that? Is that allowed? So is that seeing, piracy? Or seeing no? your new wedding ring. Let me ask you. Yeah. Have you eaten? We ate on the honeymoon. That's for sure. Did you? I came back at ten pounds heavier. Where'd you go? Italy. Oh well, there you go. They don't stop, only ten. They don't stop eating there. No. Well, let's get into some of the writing, shall we? Absolutely. What's on your mind as goes the business of writing? Like many journalists in this country have kind of been uh, tasked with doing a career pivot in the middle of this change to be digital first, print second. And so with digital first now being kind of the entrenched ethos of what I'm doing as a writer, uh, so goes taste and language and all sorts of different things that make you love writing or fall in love with writing in the first place and uh it's now been condensed down to top 10 favorite places to grab a slice of pizza you know what it's like a prostitution window in amsterdam where you're you've got people walking by and you're screaming at them with with your words and your actions it's and i'm like a natural rebel as i'm inherently rebellious and so it's like i immediately want to challenge and then it's just like i also just want to challenge the general idea of clickbait 
but I also want to challenge like why are we dumbing down ourselves to our readers it's like we should be elevating our readers and treating them with respect it's like we're not respecting ourselves and we're most certainly not respecting the people that read us because we're saying that the only possible way they'd want to click on us is if we do five spooky things at the Halloween festival or what happened next you won't believe yeah uh, you know. there's I mean, there's so many different ways to write it, but it really is all the same thing, isn't it? it you just said it. It's like the Amsterdam windows. It, regardless of how you phrase it, spooky fun, uh, you know, shock value, whatever you want to spin it as, the real thing is it's just lights on a window trying to draw you into the shop. The other part of it, obviously, as a journalist, you train to think a certain way, and marketing isn't in that construct. No. You're not training yourself. I wasn't... To- taught marketing i mean i did take a marketing class in college but i thought you're not capable of marketing but doing both of them simultaneously they don't go together and then it's the 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 funny thing is is it's like they want you know more and more hard-hitting deep researched articles that blow the lid off of something corrupt right you can't do hard research when every 20 minutes i've got to compile a list of new businesses in town or best places to get uh fried chicken you know it's I can't do both. I can right. either be condensed clickbait or I can be deep hitting journalism. It's like you can't have both. And it, it seems like that's all that they just want more and more. Okay, I'll push back though. We all have to do things we don't want to do in our careers. So yeah. the, what you're describing is a national fact. That's the way business is now being done. So the question becomes, what do you do? What's the path out? I guess it's just trying to find stuff like today. This is a good example, actually. There was like... I found a photo on social media of these gnomes that were like in the forest that someone like put there and like immediately it was just like this is exactly what they want. This is clickbait. How did the elves <laughs> in the forest get here? Or you know, you could just jazz up the headline however you want. Right. Photo photo photo. And that's the other thing. It's like the more photos the better because it's the, every time you click for a new photo it's a click. So it's if you do 10 photos, 10 clicks. That story's already doing better than the the mayor's corrupt story that's only one click you know mm-hmm. so how i get by it is i try to do it in a creative way that's not like everything else on the internet so make it unique i hate that word but that's really you know you don't see the gnomes in the forest thing yet that is exactly what the goal mm-hmm. the goal is to get clicks and like that is the kind of story that gets the clicks it's odd it has photos and it's just silly it's not an easy task that you've been given, though. Well, the other thing and is... by you, I mean yeah. modern journalists. I was going to say, and every journalist is doing this, and there's, there's just a lack of direction. It's like you're being told to become marketers on the fly without like a training seminar or like a week of training. So it's just like get right, better at writing the marketing headline versus the journalism headline. It's like, well, okay, more training would help me do that. But what you're instead expecting is just... I A, know how to do it, which, you know, I can do it on the fly, I guess, to some extent I'm doing it, but it would help to, like, take a pause, and, like, if this is the real direction that we're going in, if we're going to be, like, a marketing advertising company that's just all about drawing clicks to a website, we should pause for a second and, like, fully pivot to that direction and and make sure we're actually, like, really good at it rather than doing it half, half-assed. I could as easily, though, be talking to you as a doctor and asking you... Or you could be telling me that you have to help someone with their health who had, you mm. know, a two-liter bottle of Pepsi and five ding-dongs or ring-dings or whatever. That you, yeah, but the difference is the doctor gets paid a lot. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. They've added four more things to my plate this year alone. You know, I could list them off. Newsletter. 
Web postings, uploading photos, taking photos, writing captions, editing people's stories, writing stories. I'm at seven, right? Uh, editing stuff on the website, posting stuff on the website, interacting with people on social media, interacting with people in public, doing interviews, doing research, uh, assigning stories, organizing the newspaper, organizing the website, and just having a general plan and outline of the direction of how the week's going to go, communicating with everybody within the company, letting the web producers know when stuff is live online, and doing social media. That's 20 things. And and that's the same as people that are in radio that are being asked to do all these things. Not just just the media even. It's people in lots and lots of jobs. And I think they're supposed to come back with, you're just just glad I got a job. To your doctor analogy, if I'm a doctor and you... Let's say you're my boss and you're piling on three extra things that maybe I don't want to do if I'm the doctor, money aside, but at least the doctor, people are going to continue to be sick. The practice isn't going anywhere. It's not going to go belly up. With my job, it's like every day, I don't know, like, what the hell, are they going to close down the, the paper and make it only a news website? Is this Was this the goal all along? Were they just feigning interest in the newspaper? The goal was <laughs> get the brand build out the new website and now milk the website for clicks i well, mean that's i can't help but feeling that way even if they haven't said one way or another it's just like it doesn't seem to me that they care about the print thing which is what they really bought i mean the website is just a url i mean those things can be bought for what 20 bucks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by the way perfect use of belly up yeah uh new topic Last podcast, we talked about what you were writing, which was a birthday letter to your mother where you really got very personal. And I'm going to ask you, uh, what have you been writing lately that at least doesn't have to be something you're super proud of? I'm smiling because the juxtaposition of my mom's 60th birthday letter with what my answer is is just so absurd. I can't believe we're going. Let me me make this a little more vague than what are you writing that that you're really proud of. What's the first thing that came to your mind when I said, what have you written lately? What I written lately that's kind of made me feel alive as a writer was this naked man that fell off a truck uh, in town. Or actually, it was going through a couple different towns. It started in Reading, cut through Richfield, ended up in Wilton. Um, but anyways, the reason why I was the naked man aspect of it and the fact that he jumped out of a truck, hopped in a truck, there's just so much to it. But what I really liked about it is it just kind of reinvigorated me as you know it just made me feel kind of alive like I was just in the story for the first time in a while and it was like Kelly and I just got out of church and I got a text like there was an accident and then stuff started just piecing together I got like a photo from a person I got a little bit of detail from one person got another bit of detail from another person and just kept going and then I was talking you know I made calls to like three different police departments and just was like doing background checks on this guy and it ended up being like three or four stories and a ton uh, to you know the earlier segment about clickbait but it's just a ton of different stories and sometimes I get bent and I'm upset like oh I have to do this but like I was actually like oh like, this is something that is actually worth me pausing my personal life and, and actually working on because it's just like so interesting sort of broke through your, your broke of your mind where it was like okay I need to know more about this right I'm genuinely and p- other curious. people will want to so mm-hmm. it is actually my responsibility to get them what was he doing in the hotel room before where he got naked the answer was smoking crack. So it's just like people want to know that, though. So it's I felt like of service, which is good. If you were doing, yes, I think you could have put that out as a as a story for grown children. Of, what do you think he was doing before he was <laughs> naked in the middle of a roadway? In hindsight, I could have written that that as uh, you know like the headline could have been, "What was the naked man doing?" <laughs> yeah. 
That's <laughs> actually pretty good. Yeah. For the yeah. next time a naked man comes into town. <laughs> well, to uh, to our earlier point about clickbait, none needed. Right. And but it was just good because it was just like it was rewarding for me, and then people that I work with enjoyed it. They thought the coverage was good, and it's like it's amazing that it takes something so stupid as a guy being naked and falling out of a truck to like finally someone being like, "Oh, you did this right." Like I do so many things during the week and never get recognition. It's like, a, "Oh, you covered the naked man." Yeah, that was pretty good. Well, let's solve Steve for a minute with sure. that. What can you take from the sort of energy you got from covering that story back into something that you could cover while asleep? Oh, yeah. See, the, the whole situation of it is that's that's what made it feel like I wasn't asleep, is that it was just like, I'll always remember, just like distinctly out of church, text message, fo- like photo comes in. It's like the kind of bond, the bombardment of facts and details that are just coming in it's like but is there anything on, in on something that's you? so mundane that like the you know i don't know the board of ed meeting or something it's like i don't know if that could ever reach that kind of excitement it's like being in an like the naked man is like being in an action movie whereas like the general board meeting about the sewers that's like being in a room with a view it's because so many of those meetings are done clothed that's the problem Right, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> New to society, that's what we need. <laughs> but then that becomes boring. Then it's going to be guy with clothes fell out of a truck. Yeah. He was wearing I clothes. I came clothed to meeting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you found some writing you enjoyed. Yeah. Are you doing any uh, personal writing? I have not yet. Um, Did you write your own vows? No, we didn't. Wait a minute, you're a writer. Yeah, well, Kelly thought I was going to stand her up, so she didn't want me to do it. At one point, I thought I'd write them for both of us, but then we just agreed to just do it the old traditional way. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend who wrote his vows, and he's like a finance guy, not a wordsmith at all. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's amazing that you wrote yours, and I didn't. It's like, that's kind of funny. See, I would have loved it if you had just smugly looked out at vow time and just said, you know, you know I don't want to take my work to my wedding. <laughs> I don't know if that would have played so well, but that is funny. It could be in a movie scene. My I best really ideas for your wedding are it's a good thing that they came after your wedding. Yeah, but speaking of free writing like personally I, I'm going to take that one down and put it in like a screenplay or something that's a funny idea Yeah, I want to credit speaking of movies uh, a little backlash let's go into the news jungle a little bit and uh, talk yeah I Tarantino. forget where I saw this one but it was one of the many blogs or websites out there and as I've kind of been navigating this new being a corporate writer they're all kind of owned by the same entities. They're all the same companies are eating up these blogs. So they're all synonymous to me now. Up rocks or whatever I saw it. I, I forget. It gets a little incestuous. Yeah, slate. I don't know. But anyways, this guy, Quentin Tarantino is my favorite director. I'm not even going to say one of my favorite directors. He's my favorite director. You know, I saw Pulp Fiction at way too early of a age. I was 13. And so that kind of re- made me love film so much and get into it and just watch so many movies as a kid. But anyways, his latest film is coming out with Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. But this guy on this website uh, decided to just make like a teardown of his like just ripping into all the you know misogyny and the racism of his previous work. Meanwhile, all of this criticism has nothing to do with his current movie. And, and B, it's his work. I mean, this is how he is expressing himself. We've taken it too far, I think, is I guess the bottom line and what I'm trying to get across here. That somebody somewhere has enough free time to just write a piece 
bombarding this guy for using language in his movie. I mean, it's a point of view question. Right. And not to mention, I know that writers and critics particularly are always kind of like looking back and analyzing or how can we reanalyze something now it's five years from this or now we're in the age of Trump. So why don't we, you know, dial it this way and Context try to look at, yeah, why don't we sometimes. try to look at Pulp Fiction in the age of Trump? But I get that, but like enough is enough. We're talking about the guy's current movie. If it has racist language and it has misogyny in it that's inappropriate. Let's talk about that. Because it's context coming... in the movie that it's used. Because right. it's well, a love letter to a Hollywood that had a lot of issues. Misogyny, yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> and it's racism. kind of at the heart of, of, of Hollywood is racism and, and, and by the misogyny. way, we still have all those things. And yeah, it's... and we still go to the movies. Yeah. And so, and I'm sure that he is going to try to tackle those things. I'm positive that he will. But it's just like, I just feel like we've had, we've reached this tipping point where these pieces where people are just like, criticizing artists it would be like going back and looking at like andy warhol's drawings and being like i'm offended by this like oh how dare andy warhol do that like do you punish an artist when you you know you like their work michael jackson's another example mm. it's like there are a lot of people that won't that listen to michael tight. jackson and i get that, that one's tough i get that yeah but there's no denying the music wagner so being a nazi i get not listening to wagner the music is really good too, is yeah. good music but you yeah. but I, this is, you know, there are people who won't drive certain cars. There's, there's all it's kinds. Fine. Of Everybody's entitled to their opinions, Absolutely. and I'm not trying to change. Any, but I, the podcast is the media criticism, and the criticism here is like we just we've we've gone too far now that we're going to be yeah. going back and looking at people's. I mean, you could just do this for every movie that's ever had the N word. What are we going to do? Edit out every N word from a movie because now we live in an era where our president is a racist, like. If it's used in a context and it and it already happened, you have to let it be what it was, I yeah. guess. And, yeah. yeah, it's authentic. He was trying to replicate a world that he lived in, and that was how he heard people talking around him. Quite frankly, people use the word. It's not right or wrong, but it's just like the... Just oh, like, it's wrong. It's just that there's a lot of places where yeah. it's not... Sorry, it's, it's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm <laughs> saying it's not right or wrong to put it in your movie because he's just depicting reality. That's mm -hmm. what I'm saying, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, doesn't have a problem with right and wrong. The Hell's Angels. <laughs> you know what? They've got a credo. I, this was in a, a Hunter S. Thompson book. He did a yeah, yeah, he did he, a book about the Hell's Angels. And they're saying what well, their credo is: right or wrong, we're right. <laughs> How do you argue with that one when they're holding chains, right? Yeah. Well, Steve, what's that was uh, the media jungle? It, it's a jungle. Yeah, That's what it is. It's a jungle out there. It was great to reconnect with you on this podcast. It's yeah. been too long. We'll come back uh, with another conversation soon. Enjoy married life. <laughs> I'm playing with my ring right now. It's a little loose. Better tighten that up, buddy. Especially if I'm going swimming. That thing's for life. Yeah, you don't want to lose that. <laughs> Steve, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Solving Steve is a production of Scott Schulte Communications. The Typewriter by Leroy Anderson. Copyright 1950, Woodbury Music Company. Used with permission. <laughs>